0: Welcome to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet with Ryan Potterack from Potterack Capital Advisory. You have unique values, objectives, fears, life experiences, and biases. Any financial professional who ignores or minimizes the importance of your story may not be able to help you achieve your ideal outcomes or hit your goals. It's time to experience the PCA difference. In this podcast, we help business executives, soon-to-be retirees, and solutions-based individuals overcome the anxiety leading up to their upcoming years. We do this by initiating in-depth discussions about the financial aspects of retirement, like tax planning and asset allocation, alongside, and often overlooked, personal and lifestyle aspects. Join us for this journey, where we explore retirement from a contrarian point of view, as Ryan draws from years of experience and qualified guest professionals to help you explore the true purpose of your money in retirement and the impact you want to make in your golden years. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Potterack Capital Advisory are separate entities. This information is not intended to be a substitute for individualized legal or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor regarding your specific situation.
1: Donating to a charity doesn't need to be a one-way transaction. Not only are you providing funds that a recognized organization can use to help others, but you may be able to lower your taxes at the same time. All right, Ryan Potterak, help me do the math here. How does donating to charity impact my taxes in a way that may benefit me?
2: Well, there can be several ways, but it is particular to your tax situation. When all taxpayers prepare their tax return, they either receive a standard deduction that is a predetermined, very specific dollar amount in which they pay zero income tax on that amount of money. Or if their itemized deductions are larger than the standard deduction, then they can take advantage of that. Well, Charitable contributions, uh donating money to a church or charity, or you know, it all starts with a noble intent of helping a cause that somebody in our audience may support, but that would be an itemized deduction if you gave five thousand dollars to charity. Other itemized deductions that would go along with that could be mortgage interest, medical expenses. Uh, real estate taxes. So there's a there's a lot of potential itemized deductions in, in that category and uh, giving to charity can be one of them. So that can reduce your, your taxable income.
1: So do you have to itemize though to do this to uh, benefit?
2: It it depends on us. So one one advantage for those in our audience that might may have reached the age of 70 and a half or older would be a Qualified Charitable Distribution, or QCD for short. This is when, and again, the key is having already reached the age of 70 and a half, a, a person in our audience at that age can give directly to the charity from their traditional IRA with no tax liability to the giver. Now, with a traditional IRA, uh, distributions are subject to income tax, but this this giving to charity directly from the traditional IRA uh, is not taxable to the giver. And of course, it's not taxable to the receiver either because they're a charity. So that would be an alternative way to get a tax benefit. Uh, also for taxpayers who are of the age of required minimum distributions, the individual uh, taking advantage of the qualified charitable distribution, let's say the required minimum distribution the IRS has set they have to take out 25 grand in a particular year well if that same individual gifted to a charity directly from their traditional IRA say $10,000 then that $10,000 would go towards the 25,000 oh, okay required minimum distribution so at a at a different age and by the way there's a $100,000 cap in any calendar year for somebody taking advantage of that of that QCD but that would be an alternative route to uh to tax savings.
1: All right. Are there any eligibility requirements on the QCD? Just enough just,
2: just the age of uh of 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. And you must have a traditional IRA, so not a Roth IRA, not after-tax uh, accounts either uh and again the cap is 100 grand. Uh and, and that that 100,000 just to use that or the QCD. We have clients that that give to ten different charities, um, you know, five hundred dollars here, fifteen hundred dollars there. Uh, people were used to giving after-tax money to their church and charities, Well, giving pre-tax money and avoiding the the uh, the filter, which is the IRS. You know, the charity gets the money that the person donating wants, but without the tax liability. All right, that QCD got that. What though is a DAF? A donor
1: advised fund.
2: A donor advised fund. This is where it's a really great tool for that has to do with the itemized deductions, but also is is after tax money. So I'm gonna give a a quick little story here, Patrice. Is now the standard deduction for a couple is approaching 30 grand. So we're going to say the standard deduction is 30 grand to keep it simple in this story. For taxpayers that are 65 and older, they get a little extra standard deduction. But let's say that the standard deduction is is 30 grand. And then let's say that the the total itemized deductions that this particular couple has is 25,000, of which is $10,000 in charitable contributions. So this is a story where, okay, this couple, let's call it John and Mary Smith, they give $10,000 to a charity, but that $10,000 potential itemized deduction, along with other potential itemized deductions, total up to $25,000, which is not larger than the standard deduction of thirty dollars So in that situation, John and Mary Smith would take the standard deduction of thirty dollars mm-hmm. but they don't get any distinct tax advantage at all from their $10,000 donation. So when I would see a situation like this, where I have a couple that is regularly or maybe routinely donating to charity each and every month, and I'll use the number of examples as I am. So let's say over the next five years, they intend to to gift 10 grand each year or $50,000 over a five-year period. I might talk to them about a donor advice fund in which, okay, John and Mary, I understand your intention, which is great. Why don't right now in this calendar year, we are you donate $50,000 to this donor advised fund. So they would get a full deduction on the 50 grand, which would exceed the standard deduction. So they're now getting a tax advantage for the amount over the, along with other itemized deductions. Now they get a tax advantage all up front on what would amount to be being the next five years of donations. Now the advantage to them besides the initial tax deduction is they, this is, this creates a separate account. So having a donor advised fund can be, they can invest that money in whatever they want. Now, just like when they give money to a standalone charity, Patrice donating it to their, to their donor advised fund, they do control how that money's invested. But they have irrevocably given up control of using the money themselves, Mm -hmm. which matches other charitable contributions. But now their charitable fund, and they can call it whatever they want, it could be the Smith family charitable fund, they're not obligated in the future to give money to charities in any particular year. They're not obligating themselves to specific charities. But the growth, whether it's in stocks or whatever investments, is income tax-free like some in our audience might, uh, when they think of Roth IRAs being tax-free, so it's uh, it's a great way to stack. In my example, stack five years of giving upfront to get a tax advantage they would not otherwise do if they just give incrementally each year, and then they have tax-free growth on the money that they would give to a charity. Additionally, and maybe the last point on donor-advised funds, which you correctly said DAF, is that if they were to pass away then they can elect their their kids as having control of, you know, where that, you know, what charities receive that money. It can go on in perpetuity as well. So it, it can be a really interesting, not only tax planning, but estate planning tool. I love the fact that you could put the money in, leave it
1: there, and it can grow. You've got a bigger base to grow from. You'll see yes. hopefully
2: better growth. Because typically, when people do you know, they gift after tax money, you know ten thousand a year. I mean that's that's after tax money that's in in whatever investment or savings account. but whatever interest in those situations is is being earned or dividends or that is being taxed. So this is a way to put a, a tax shelter around their future charitable contributions
1: and since you are designating who gets the money, you can change that every year, or is that set if you're going to do it? In a lump sum like that, uh, you know, five years in one lump sum, does it always have to go to the same place?
2: No, the the putting it in a donor advice fund gets the tax deduction right there. And but they've not obligated themselves to give to any charity at that point or in any subsequent year. It's just the honeypot that they might go to in the future and say, okay, this is a great charity for, I don't know, children, whatever let's send them five grand from the donor advice fund. So they've already gotten their tax advantage up front Mm -hmm. with that contribution. uh, And then the tax-free growth, but that would be, you know, oftentimes where they would give to charity again in subsequent years. And, you know, we, this and the qualified charitable uh, distribution, I mean, you know, hopefully we all make it to 70 and a half. So there's different tools and depending on the individual situation for our audience listening, This is where our our tax mitigation and tax planning team, it does get very specific as to what is the the best way to get money to the causes that our families support.
1: That's a great way to bring a family together, too, when you all get together to decide where are we going to send the money.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: What about appreciated assets? What does that mean and what can you do with those?
2: Well, great question. Uh, so for example, with individual stocks or even a, a mutual fund, exchange traded fund, let's say that there's a um, an investment security that the client invested $10,000 in, and it's it's been a home run. Let's say it's grown to $30,000, just as an example. Well, if, if a security is sold at a profit, and this is with after-tax accounts, to be clear, but if the security is sold with a profit the IRS wants to tax that person on the profit that's capital gains taxes so it provided that this security has been held for at least 1 year and 1 day so it qualifies for long-term capital gain tax treatment if that same client said you know we want to give $30,000 to charity A charity B and charity C instead of giving $30,000 cash They could give the shares of that security, again, $10,000 invested, worth $30,000. If they transfer the appreciated shares of that investment, then they avoid the capital gains tax on the $20,000 profit. So again, the charity or charities in this situation, all three of them get $10,000 each, $10,000 in value of the shares of stock when they receive the shares of stock, they liquidate. Now the charity has a 10,000 in cash, but my client has uh, not had to pay capital gains tax on the $20,000. Hmm.
1: I like that too.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And by the way, you can, so let's say a person I mentioned a little bit earlier, the donor advised fund is funded with after tax money. So if you go back to that $50,000 example, we don't need to get $50,000 cash up front. We could give some appreciated stock as well. So you get the, the avoidance of the legal avoid, avoidance of long-term mm-hmm. capital gains tax. And then the deduction on the value of the shares of stock that's put in the donor advised fund, whereby from that point forward um, would grow tax-free.
1: I can see the potential for mistakes in here. What are some of the ones people really need to Look for the red flags.
2: Well, I'll start where I finished off is if if people have an investment that's grown in value, but they haven't held on to it at least one year and one day, uh, which is the threshold for being considered for long-term capital gains, it would be, so let's say 10,000 became 25,000 in investment over the mm-hmm. first six months of owning it. Uh, they don't avoid taxes on that profit uh, if it hasn't gone at least one year in one day. So that's relevant, relevant on the qualified charitable distribution in the age 70 and a half, which used to be the age for a long time when people had to do required minimum distribution. So if somebody was turning 70 and a half at any time during a particular year, they had a defined uh, required dollar amount they must they had to distribute from their IRA. Uh, even if they had not yet turned 70 and a half it was was during the calendar year in which they turned 70 and a half well with the QCD let's say that a person's you know birthday just in a generic year they were turning 70 and a half on on June 9th if they attempted to do a QCD anytime prior to that even though it's still the year in which they turned 70 and a half uh they would they would invalidate that uh oh, strategy really? <laughs> so it would it would have to be on the the birthday in which they'd be there, if there is such a thing, we usually joke with our with our clients. Hey, you've got two birthdays this year. You turn <laughs> seventy and, 70 and a half. But that's a mistake that can uh, occur also. And I, it's not really a mistake. It's more of a misunderstanding. But since the last administration put in substantial tax law changes that started in twenty eighteen and sunset at the end of twenty twenty five, the standard deduction went way up. So the number of of families itemizing their deductions uh, were cut by more than half. This also hurt. Just as a side note, it hurt a lot of charities. Uh, it hurt the arts because you know people that wanted to support charity in the arts getting a tax deduction was a part of it. Might not have been the first thought, uh, but because a family needs a lot more itemized deductions since that tax legislation went into place in order to exceed the standard deduction. We saw those uh, contributions go down. And I can't tell you that's a long way around back to, I can't tell you how many people I talked to that still thinks they're still think they're able to deduct their mortgage interest Mm -hmm. when, when they can't because they're using the standard deduction or they, they give, give money to charity Thinking that there's a tax advantage, but again, if you and our audience, if you end up using the standard deduction, then you got no tax advantage from mortgage interest paid or medical expenses or charitable contributions, anything that is in the category of itemized deductions, it's one or the other. Okay. What about a QCD? The RMDs
1: have to be re- uh, reported on a 1099R, correct? RMDs. Correct. But what if you want to do a QCD from your RMD, as you just explained earlier, is that reported on the same form? Do you have to break that out? What do you have to do with the IRS?
2: Yeah, well, you bring up another uh, another source of a potential mistake. So wherever in our audience, wherever a person uh, has their traditional IRA, that which is I refer to as the custodian, the custodian is going to report to the IRS how much money was distributed from the traditional IRA. And not only do they report that to the IRS, they send, as you suggest, they send a 1099R to the client. So if that particular client distributed from their their IRA, for whatever reason, it wouldn't have to be a required minimum distribution. It could just be regular income, but let's say they distributed during a year, $30,000 from their traditional IRA. And then on top of it, Uh, they did a qualified charitable distribution of 20 grand to whatever charities. So $50,000 total distributed from the traditional IRA, the custodian is going to send a 1099 R for 50 grand. They do not take on the responsibility of splitting that out at all. So the client, anybody in our audience, uh, they just need to keep, keep a record of how much, Uh, was the qualified charitable distribution, because in that example of 50,000 total distributed from a traditional IRA of which 20 was a QCD on that couple's tax return, it should just show $30,000. Right, right. Period. Uh, And then have the supporting documentation that we sent, you know, five grand to the ABC church and XYZ charity and so on and so forth.
1: But that is another form that has to get filed.
2: Uh, it, that would just be supporting paperwork, because in order to okay. do in this, if I didn't make it clear, this is can definitely be a mistake is in order to qualify as a, a QCD, the check has to go directly from the custodian holding the client's IRA to the charity.
1: It, can, oh, so, it cannot go through the person.
2: Absolutely okay. not. That invalidates it. So, if you were Patrice wanting to do a qualified charitable distribution, although you're many, many years from 70 and a half, but just Love for fun. You. Love you, Ryan. Just for fun. And uh, is, yeah, if you said, well, I want to do this and, and donate 10 grand to a charity through a QCD and to, you, you had 10 grand distributed mm-hmm. to you, that doesn't qualify. It invalidates it uh, immediately. So, the check is literally payable to the charity that you've chosen. Now, you can have that check payable to the charity uh, that you've chosen come to you first because some people like the idea of handing the check, mm-hmm. but it cannot be money payable to you. All right. So much
1: to think about here just to do good to kind of rewards. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that comes to mind that we haven't mentioned?
2: Well, since you, you know, you're right, this is a lot of information, and some of our audience might be, Oh my gosh, is you know, by fire hose. But this is while it's all tax planning and charitable giving, and what counts uh, towards improving your bottom line tax wise, it is very, very uncommon that a CPA or tax preparer is working in this space. It just typically, if, if anybody in our audience thinks about, Well, what does your tax preparer or CPA do? It's typically historical arithmetic. The year is already complete with the year already complete, you can't do any of what I just described. Mm-hmm. So in any tax year you have any of these strategies must be done by december thirty first period. So me and my team are uh, are looking at an individual situation, best strategy also when it comes to separating out as as you uh, alluded to, QCDs from just typical IRA distributions you know, we're helping with that math kind of as their backstop um, because for us to recommend a strategy, even help implement it and then drop the ball in the end. I mean, that's part of why clients pay us. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't it be terrible to have a half birthday on December 31st?
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. Or,
1: um, advisor, they would be running in small circles. Well, how At can people, how can people reach you, Ryan?
2: Well, they can always go to our website, which is www.potterac.net. That's P-O-T-E-R-A-C-K.net. Um, they can they can call us at uh, 704-366-5776. And we're out there uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and X. I guess that's the first time yes. I probably refer to it as X, formerly Twitter. So if you'd like to get acquainted, um, we typically set up a 30-minute Zoom or phone call and, uh, and, and get acquainted. All right, then. And listeners, remember, life isn't lived on a spreadsheet,
1: and you can do good for others while doing something good for yourself. I'm Patrice Sikora, and I ask you to follow this podcast to make sure you get the latest shows and please share with others. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for listening to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Making It Count, Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet by Ryan Potterack, visit www.potterack.net or give us a call at 704-366-5776. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Potterack Capital Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Potterack Capital Advisory does not offer legal or tax advice. Please consult the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. Nothing contained herein is to be considered a solicitation, research material, an investment recommendation, or advice of any kind. The information contained herein may contain information that is subject to change without notice. Any investments or strategies referenced herein do not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific person.
1: Product sustainability must be independently determined for each individual investor. Potterack Capital Advisory explicitly disclaims any responsibility for product
0: suitability or suitability determinations related to individual investors.